Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. Newcastle Libraries can be accessed from wherever you live with the Newcastle Library app. Put borrowing at your fingertips. I invite you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine that there are no buildings, no roads, no cars, just the trees, plants, animals and the very first storytellers of this land, the Awabakal and Waramai people. I acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of this beautiful land in which we live. Welcome to the podcast. We are talking about Drag 101. I am Timberlina. My pronouns are she, her, in drag, out of drag, it's he, him. I'm joined by Foxy, Foe, and Orlando Gloom. Foxy, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Foxy Foe. I use she, her pronouns in and out of drag, and I am an AFAB drag queen here in Newcastle. And I'm Orlando Gloom. My pronouns both in and out of drag are he, him, or they, them. And I'm a drag king, drag artist here in Newcastle as well. Amazing. I should probably have said what I am as well. I am a drag queen and I'm also based here on a what we call land, Newcastle. I have been doing drag for now going to my fifth year and it has been my full-time job for almost going on to three years now. Some of the questions that we're going to be talking about or answering today is our general questions that we get asked when we're in drag at shows. I guess we've touched on what we do in drag. So I'm a drag queen. Foxy is an AFAB and Orlando is king slash artist. AFAB drag queen. Queen, sorry. (laughs) And I guess they're the other types of drag that you can see or will see hopefully when you're out and about is... Queer entertainers. Drag comes in so many different shapes, sizes, colours, forms of anything. The art of drag has no limits. Mm. You can see anyone doing Doing drag of any gender or no gender at all. Yep, that's right. I always say that it doesn't matter what gender you are, you can do any type of drag that you want. So someone who's assigned male at birth, they could be a drag queen or a drag king or a thing or Or a a creature. creature. And the same for people assigned female at birth. Like the world is your oyster, I say. Mm -hmm. Like if you've got an artistic idea, a vision that you want to bring out, you can do that. There shouldn't be those restrictions that some people who are a bit old-fashioned might say only gay men can do drag. It's not true at all. I guess that's one question I get a lot is, so you're gay? And obviously I do identify as a gay man out of drag. But anybody, like literally anybody can do drag, which is the best thing. It's performance. It's just like watching an actor on stage. Like they turn themselves into that character. It is exactly what we do every day of our lives when we're getting into drag. We turn ourselves into a character. Well, I know I definitely do turn myself into a character. Yeah, absolutely. I guess for us, we aren't just turning up and performing. There goes a lot goes into it behind the scenes. My number one question, I guess, after am I a gay male is, did you do that yourself? Did you do your own makeup? <laughs> did you do your own makeup? Did you do your own makeup? <laughs> oh, that question. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely say when I first started drag, no, I did not do my own makeup. I had a makeup artist when I first started because I had no idea about makeup. But now, yes, I do do my own makeup. For me personally, it takes about two hours to get into drag starting with shaving every part of my body, (laughs) especially my beard, and then sitting in front of a mirror for two hours and getting to match 
my makeup to what I'm going to wear. If we've decided what we're wearing yeah. before the makeup <laughs> goes on. Or it's makeup, then decide what we're wearing around the makeup. Orlando, how long does it usually take you to get ready? Yeah, between two to three hours, depending on the face that I'm doing. Like if I'm having to glue down my brows and do certain more elaborate things, it'll take longer because you have to wait for the prosade or whatever you're using to dry. <laughs> I would like to think that my makeup has improved somewhat from when I first started. It was a choice when I first started. It was very basic. I wasn't very confident with that, but it's one of those things, like a lot of things in life, you get better through practicing and making mistakes as you go and learning from those mistakes. I agree. And I guess that's the thing is it's like, it doesn't matter what you look like when you first start. The hardest thing is starting. I guess a lot of people... And I feel like Foxy can vouch for this. And Orlando, actually. You both came to a lot of shows and then it was just that extra push that you needed to get on stage, I guess. Mm, so Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Foxy, how long does it take you to get ready? So, it depends what kind of face I'm doing and in what kind of face is do I have an idea of where I'm going? Is it something that I've done before or am I trying something new? Obviously, trying something new because you're unsure of where things need to go and how much blending it's going to take. It can take me longer. I can get in head to toe drag in an hour and a half, but it can also take me three hours or more to do it. It just depends on what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I'm wearing. Although in the hour and a half face, a lot of the time eyebrows are sacrifice (laughs) and I go browless and wear a nice bang. In a wig. Yeah. To cover it up. I mean, these are all the tips and tricks that go into our life as drag performers. I guess touching base on what I said before about getting that position of getting onto stage and how it happened for us. How did it happen for you both? I mean, I just kind of said to myself that if I wanted to do this, getting on stage was the next step in the process. I'd been practicing my makeup. I'd stepped outside my house for the first time. So all those big barriers had been broken down. The next one that I faced was actually performing. And I think having a baby drag night or an open stage night where the crowd is aware that it's majority of the people's first time or they're still very new to things that made me feel a lot more comfortable with it but it was like if I got chosen to do that show I was not allowed to back out obviously if I was ill or something you know circumstances but I wasn't allowed to stop myself from doing that next stage and as most people know around here literally as soon as I got on stage for the first time I haven't been off since yeah it was like it cemented everything that I thought drag was for me at the time and now it's even more but it just instilled that love of performing in me and I was like okay this is my place this is where I feel like I belong this is where I'm meant to be yeah so the very first time that I performed I really took the plunge and that was the first drag off competition back in 2019 that Tim hosted and organized because I'd been to one of the local drag nights just dressing in drag as a spectator to start with to kind of dip my toes in the water and be like how does this feel and it felt completely right and that I wanted to pursue actually performing yeah and so then when the competition was advertised I was like 
this is scary, but I'm going to do it because I think this is actually a really good way to challenge myself and to force myself to get out there. Because often, you know, I'm a very introverted, anxious person when I'm not in drag. And it is sort of that creating the character and the persona and putting that on. It helps in those situations and you gain that sort of extroverted side, or at least I find for myself. The confidence. Yeah, exactly. So it was kind of a baptism by fire, (laughs) but it was wonderful and it was great getting to you know meet other performers and share the stage with them and then talk to other people who'd come to watch you know the competition and all of that it was wonderful to finally find my community basically I I had never had that before so drag has been such a wonderful thing for me in all respects I think is a great thing is when you find your community you find your people and a lot of people don't know how to do that when they're starting out for me my story when I started drag is I didn't do that. I just fell into it straight away and I just created a whole brand for myself and I didn't have a drag mom or anything like that. And for those people that are listening, they're probably like, what the hell is a drag mom? Is that your mom? No, it's... I wish. (laughs) (laughs) It's a person, like a mother-like figure to help you and guide you in the way that you do drag. Like a mentor or someone that you can go to for advice that is generally someone that has done drag for at least a few years and has you know, can give you the little tips and tricks on the things that you're really not sure about. You might be in a small country town or a regional area or you don't know where to reach out. The best thing you could probably do is type into like Instagram, <laughs> drag performer, drag queen, drag king, drag thing, drag artist, and then followed by your local areas so in Newcastle for us. And Find people, reach out to them, DM them. Um, Most performers are really friendly and will point you in the right direction or take you in or... Give you all the advice that we can do. We only know so much and everything's all very specific, but someone will at least be able to point point you in in the the right right direction direction to someone else that may know the answer better. My thing that I really want to know is where do you all perform? Not just like name venues, but like... New South Wales. (laughs) Um, The east coast of New South Wales. Up and down. We're very fortunate to be a part of Timber Productions, which is Timberlina's production company that gives us opportunities to perform out west in more rural areas of New South Wales, which Orlando and I have both had the opportunity to go out to Dubbo. We did. We performed at the zoo. At the zoo. It was amazing. So through through that and through other venues, obviously locally in Newcastle, we do out the suburbs, um, in town. I've performed in Byron Bay, in Brisbane. Sydney. You've been all over the place. Yeah. I have. I did do a little, little spot a few years ago down in uh, West Hollywood. Oh. But I don't know if I'll be quite as lucky to be able to do that. But again, I just stumbled upon the right show at the right time. But honestly, I'll just sign up for anything. Anything to get my name out there and go somewhere new. I guess for me, when it comes to venues and where I perform, I feel like when people hear drag performer, they're like, oh, it must be at a gay club. Oh, absolutely. Not Uh, around here. No, not (laughs) here in Newcastle. Not here. We do not have a soul queer venue. So the venues that we go into 
are venues that support drag performers or are willing to take a risk, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. Most venues that I perform in are those straight bars, as we like to call them. Playing um, footy on the TV. Oh, God. Yeah. Yep. Pubs, very straight bars. But I guess the best thing for me when I'm performing in these places is that, one, we're making a name for ourselves out there. We're also slightly educating the straight folk, as I like to call them. Who may not know that they're an ally at the time, because it's not something that they would voluntarily go to, but stumbling Mm. upon it. Yeah. And then realise that they actually really enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. So, I guess for us here in Newcastle, yeah, we don't have those queer spaces. We do have safe spaces and we have venues that want to work with us to create those safe spaces as safe as possible. But also we have the best thing of educating people at the same time as about if they would never come into a gay bar as such. So, we're putting ourselves in front of those audience members to try and well, we don't even try them. We're just happy to have a space to perform in. Turning uh, venues across Newcastle, one one turning gay every day. That's yeah. right, one step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to call them that we we say we turn them queer for a night and hopefully people then become fans and allies and we see return and we do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Which is so great. We touched on how long it takes us to get ready. What really goes? You said prose. At the start, yeah, but like prosaic, yeah. If you could give us like a overall, <laughs> not like a full detailed step by step, but explain what prosaic is, because I feel like a lot of people listening will be like, "What is that?" You're braver than I am to use prosaic, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So prosaic, it's a prosthetic adhesive, basically. So it's used a lot in sort of the special effects makeup and things like that for people to stick prosthetics and and other things on their face or other things like that. So it's very sticky. It goes on as a liquid and you've got to sort of wait for it to get tacky. So it's a bit different to things like spirit gum, which I think are sticky straight off the bat. Almost. Almost, Yeah. It's still liquid, but I think it becomes tacky or stickier quicker than what Prosade does. Yeah. I've used Prosade more and yeah, so... I've used that to glue down my brows if I'm doing that kind of a look. So, yeah, usually I use just one of those disposable little spoolie brush things that Mascara you... Mascara Yeah, that you can get from the supermarket in like a little little bundle together. I use one of those. I've designated my Prosade brush in my makeup kit as well. You have to. Because it's just the... Filthy. It's filthy. So, I apply that to the brow area to start with and sort of get the area covered and then just let it sit let it start to get tacky and then I sort of start brushing it through with the spoolie and then I flip it and I use the end bit which is smooth to press and smooth it out as much as possible. Yeah, flatten your brows down so that when we put the makeup on over the top of them, it makes them disappear. Because if you don't do that and you don't try and brush them upwards and then smooth it, it's going to be like this weird little ridge. Yeah. That's still there. Yep. And then makeup, lots and lots and lots of makeup yeah. and it's done. So, yeah, I generally, I do that, smooth it down, then put powder over that to help set it in place. And then once that's done, brush off the excess and then you're ready to put your base foundation down. 
I, on the other hand, instead of the more extreme equipment, just use a regular old glow stick. <laughs> so do I. Um, you know, mush it all in there in the brow hairs, smooth it on up and layer upon layer upon layer upon layer later i'm ready to go and yeah. three different foundation colors a few powders here and there and we're done yeah mm-hmm. i guess when you're doing the makeup that we're doing a lot of us use heavy duty stage makeup it is not just like maybelline some people <laughs> from- do but we i don't recommend it if you're so a lot of us when we're in drag we're not just in it for like an hour, an hour. Only if we could be so lucky. Oh God, yeah. An hour. <laughs> um, we're in it for several hours. We're doing performances. We are sweating. We need stuff that's going to really like hold on and like we Stay don't have to place. reapply it every And when you're taking costumes on and off, like yeah. if you accidentally scratch your face, you don't want it to carve out a giant chunk out of your makeup. Mm. And that's where the heavier duty yeah. makeup comes in mm. that, yes, it might slightly wipe a little bit here or there you're not going to be missing half your face if your shirt accidentally drags across as you're getting it off yeah so we definitely use that heavy duty stage makeup and there is definitely several different colors that we all go through and i guess when you're doing that you can go to suppliers and they will color match for you i have been color matched but because it's stage makeup i have to go darker because stage lighting and everything else it ends up washing me out and a lot of people if you're going you say you're a drag queen and, and you are going to those places yes they may color match you but then they may adjust what you are using because when you start putting on your highlight that's going to lighten things up and then when you start blending in your contour that's going to create it to be, be darker. So mm. you need that happy medium. And it still needs to be halfway in between yeah. the yeah. two colours. It's a common question that comes up. There's a few drag Facebook groups that I'm part of. There's one specifically for drag kings as well. And there's often questions from, you know, newer kings starting out asking about makeup advice and this sort of thing. And, you know, people will post photos of what they've been doing and this sort of thing and saying, please give me whatever advice, you know, and commonly the main advice that lots of more experienced kings will give is like, you need to actually be more intense with your makeup. You need to accentuate the contouring and these sorts of things, because again, it's stage makeup. If you don't do it harshly enough, it's not going to show up under those lights at all. We and definitely paint for the back row, we do. not the front. <laughs> yeah. The front is getting a completely different experience than the people all the way up the back, but you want them to still be able to see the defining features that people yeah. have worked so hard That's to, right. to put on. Another thing as well that you often find, I know for kings especially, this is something because the contouring is different to queen makeup. You're sort of, you're doing it in slightly different places to shapes create a different illusion essentially but what can happen is that people will do their contour and it'll end up looking a bit washed out or a bit gray sometimes it's all about kind of experimenting and finding the right combination of tones for your skin basically and so pale people like me we tend to if we're not careful get that sort of washed out look because i'm quite pale For my contours, I try to find a cool toned brown, like sort of a a lighter brown to start with. But then what I have also been doing to warm up my face a bit is then using a slightly warmer toned brown, not for all of it, but maybe in certain spots or things like that. And just play around 
blend out as well, blend, then apply more, blend again sort of thing. It's all trial and error. It's sort of finding that happy medium. I don't think any of us here do our makeup the same way as when we started. (laughs) You will learn what works and what doesn't. And we will continue to learn oh, yeah, and I develop. Guess. Your makeup always changes. Some things will always change. I mean, I've definitely changed my makeup a lot. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> I guess for me as well, going on to that color correcting, I guess, of drag. Obviously, out of drag, I am a male and I do have a beard. And my beard does grow back very quickly. I shave before every show, so nearly every day. And for me, I have to use an orange foundation now. It used to be called a beard concealer. It's now got its own colour. But it is an orange tone that I put over all of my dark five o'clock shadow areas. I even put it underneath my eyes now to cover my bags. What does the orange do? Oh, God, good question, Foxy. (laughs) It will help when I put over my foundation colour, I guess, hide. So, it colour corrects the purple purple. of the hair colour. There we go. She's like professional. Can you see this? Yes. So, obviously, those five o'clock shadows have that more purpley, grey tone, bluey tone tone to them. Same with the bags under your eyes. Thank you. (laughs) And the orange is the opposite on the colour wheel, and that's why it colour corrects to blend into your skin tone. And you'll set that and then apply yeah. your makeup. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at concealers, you're going to see green, mm-hmm. a ready pink, orangey. Yeah, red. there's always different shades. Then there's like orange. <laughs> there's also a purple, I think, but yeah. I'm not sure what, who or why or when you'd want to use that purple one. If we're looking at those opposites on the colour wheel, maybe it's if people have more yellow, yellow tones in their skin that yeah. True. If they're jaundiced. Oh, yes. Maybe. We, you never know. <laughs> Poor people with jaundice needing colour correction. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I guess, again, a later touch on it, trial and error. Mm-hmm. Trial and error. Like, just practice. Especially when you're working out how to do your brow blocking. Practice. Absolutely. And don't rush it. I guess the thing that a lot of people try and do is rush the brow blocking stage. It is still and will always be the longest part of my face. Absolutely. And what works for somebody else may not work for you. Mm. So don't copy somebody else and go, why is it not working? Blah, blah, blah. It might be that your brow hairs are more coarse, Mm -hmm. more, more stubborn or something. And then if you're finding that glue is just not working for you, that's when you upgrade to a prosaid or a spirit gum, which is another form of adhesive, but slightly different. And that might just be that you do need those more heavy duty products because what works for me, I know it would not even be possible for other people. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. It's finding what works for you and what works for your skin. Like if you sweat more or less, yeah, it's... Or not at all. Or not at all. I'm jealous. <gasps> oh, my God. So jealous. <laughs> and then I guess makeup is like a major part of what we do. And then the next stages is like wigs and costumes and shoes and accessories. And the expensive part. The, yeah. I guess if you're looking to do drag, it is not a cheap. Save. Start no. saving now. It's an investment into a hobby. A lot of people do it as a hobby. Some of us do it as a full-time career. Some people do it as a part-time career. And people just do it for the love of it, which would become a hobby. Mm -hmm. It's not cheap 
you mm. can do it cheaply. You can. Yeah. yeah there That's are their ways. choice. Yes. But, but I would say invest in a good pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. There's certain a, things that you a, can't get a buy with it yeah. cheap quality. Otherwise, you're going to be wasting the same amount of money as what you would have had you bought the more expensive version in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And you could potentially hurt yourself. Like with the exactly. shoes, it's like get yourself some that are good for your feet. If larger heels are a problem because maybe you've got a condition with your mm. feet where it's that's not possible get shorter heels find something that's sturdy and supports the arches of your feet you know it's- and it's your drag like you see a lot of people online that will be like you aren't a real queen if you wear these shoes mm. please don't listen that to them also aren't <laughs> drag performers in the first place <laughs> yeah that's right wear what you feel comfortable in and what you want to do your your own character don't let other people influence that you can always listen to their guidance but like don't have to listen to them yeah and the other thing i would say suggest in investing in is wigs absolutely quality with wigs is where the money's at you get what you pay for when it comes to wigs the more you spend the better quality it will be there is no in between you cannot get a good quality wig at a bargain price no matter how hard you try or think that you are, we you're all, not. We all wish that that <laughs> yes. was the case. It is not the case. And I feel like we've all tried to do the cheap wig. Absolutely. <laughs> and like when we say a cheap wig, it's a cheap wig, you know, you can see. But like you can get wigs, when we're saying high quality, the high quality wigs don't have to be lace fronts. And when oh, we're talking no. about lace fronts, a lace front is a wig that has a very thin tulle material. Yes. It's sort obviously it's lace <laughs> it's generally the front top half of the yeah. wig so that it blends more seamlessly into and you would have heard us talk briefly about spirit gum which is how you usually apply and stick the wig down mm. and it will hold i don't have usually hair on my head underneath <laughs> my wigs i am a bald man and i don't have to wear anything other than the lace front and it will hold so i guess you don't have to have that lace front. You can do a high quality non lace front wig. Like there Which is are now in existence. That's yeah. a, uh, the honestly the majority of the wigs that I have are hard front wigs. Yeah. Like, hard front meaning no lace. Meaning no lace at the front. And there are heaps of them that are really good quality and they look good. So anyone telling you that oh if you're going to be a drag performer you have to have lace front wigs, walk away from that person. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true. For certain styles and designs when obviously the front hairline is more exposed. Yeah. Yes, absolutely then because a lace you front, just yeah, you cannot do it work. with it. But there are a lot of styles out there that if you wanted to, you could save money by buying a hard front and yep. getting it styled the same way as a lace front and get the exact same result mm-hmm. and have it attached so much easier and not take your makeup off Yes, uh, if, when you have to swap your wigs in shows because mm-hmm. once you glue it on and take it off, there goes a chunk of your makeup. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess just like be aware of all those little things and that's why we say play around with it. Mm-hmm. Also clean your lace. Yes. Clean it. I love that everyone in this room just looked at me. (laughs) 
I actually cleaned my lace now, so... Oh, congratulations. Fancy. I know. You can really tell the difference when you don't clean oh, it. Oh, it gets so um, crusty and disgusting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll eventually start to affect the lace on the wig and it will damage it. Yeah, it will um, stain it. Yeah, stain it. And then the thicker it is, the harder it is to get off, which means you can have more chances of rippages and things mm. like that, which may not be able to be repaired, which means... A You've just wasted, You've a wig. wasted a wig. Yeah. yeah. And then the last thing is costumes. Mm. I guess it is your whole character when you think your about aesthetic, it. Your um, aesthetic. Your style. So whatever you want. Like I can let you know now that I have costumes that are from Sports Girl, Supre. Mm-hmm. Um, also known as Off the Rack. Yeah. <laughs> and then places like Sheen and Wish and then... I have custom stuff that's mm-hmm. just been made for me and obviously they're more expensive. But when you're starting out drag, you don't have to have a custom costume. Yeah. <laughs> I suggest not getting a custom costume because... You it, will ruin it. Yeah, yeah. It's expensive and I just don't recommend it. No. And all. if you're the kind of performer that's going to continue to roll on the floor in bars, a lot of custom pieces can't be just chucked in the wash mm. because things will break or it'll yeah, fall off. Or they might be very delicate. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if if your style of drag is rolling around on the floor, custom pieces may not always be the best option for you. Otherwise, you are going to find yourself in a lot of debt very yes. quickly. Yeah. It, it's why the stereotype for a lot of drag queens, drag kings, performers is the bodysuit. You know, something like that, something like leotards, because they're comfortable and you can move around. So for those performers... And they're cheap. Yeah. Easy to replace. For those performers that dance a lot and they're getting down onto the floor doing the splits, whatever, yeah, those are the most practical outfits. There's a reason why they're used so often. Yes. If you're just starting out in doing drag, you know... A common thing that I know I did this as well with putting together my first drag outfit, I looked at what I already had in my wardrobe and I was like, what do I have that I can kind of get some separate items together and create a look? And then what do I need to then buy otherwise? And I think for that very first drag outfit of mine, the one new thing that I had to get was my boots that I ordered. And I still have them. The good quality shoes. The good quality buckled up fetish boots that you spend some good money on those and they'll stay with you for a long time if you take care of them. But yeah, all that other stuff, I already had it in my wardrobe, stockings and, and other things and a cool jacket and all that. I would also recommend for people go op shopping. Yeah. You can find some amazing bargains, some amazing quality pieces for really cheap. Or you learn to sew. Yeah. That's like myself. Yes. Um, or you instill and force your mother to turn your house <laughs> dining room table into a sweatshop and sit her on the sewing machine to make pieces. <laughs> oh, Foxy. Yeah. yeah. So there's so many ways. Like, obviously, sewing is not everyone's idea of a fun time. They don't want to learn. You can outsource that, but there are a lot of people that their creative process, they know they can be so specific because they're the ones making it and you don't have to try and explain what I see in my head mm. to somebody else who may misinterpret what I'm trying to yeah. explain. The concept that you yeah. want to bring forth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, that's it's still something that's on my to-do list. I want to get better at sewing because I have so many ideas for cool outfits and I'm like, 
Yeah. And some things are just too expensive to try and get somebody else to make. Like for some people, that's just what they have to do. But I know I've got ideas for really cool outfits. And Mm. I'm like, if I tried to outsource that, the time that I would have to pay this person the hours and hours and hours of man work, I can then get that for free. Yeah. Like I've done for... All of my outfits for uh, Dragon. Yeah. You've gotten really good at sewing, I must say. You've made so many things now. (laughs) We'll see how they go. See if they stay together. Yeah. (laughs) One thing that we haven't touched on is body, 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 body. Bodies. There's a lot of performers out there that will pad. Or occasionally. Or occasionally, yeah. Or they might have a breastplate they wear. Or a packer. Or a packer. Mm-hmm. So I want to make this clear is you don't have to pad if that's not oh. your jam. Nope. It's your character. It's your illusion. It's your fantasy. It's your body. Do what you want. Yeah. And saying that, I don't pad. You wear? I wear breasts. Inserts. Like inserts. Like foam breast inserts. But I don't add on to my hips. I don't add on to my butt. Like it's... It's all me. <laughs> yeah. I she works hard for that yeah. booty. Yeah. <laughs> you do, yes. Yeah, I don't tend to pad either. I used to a bit to start with. I had like some hip sort of pad things that I would use. But honestly, yeah, I don't anymore. It's just, it's the packer mainly. That... Explain what a packer is. <laughs> so a packer essentially is a prosthetic penis that you yeah you used to give the give yourself a bit of a bulge bulge. used by drag performers but it's also very common in the trans community for trans masculine people uh so i myself am also i'm a non-binary trans masculine person when i'm out of drag so i actually i have a smaller packer and then my larger drag packer because <laughs> yes. again you're painting for the background exactly <laughs> you want, you want to, see to see that the definition <laughs> absolutely well obviously as i introed myself i am afab if you're not familiar with that term it is assigned female at birth and i do still identify as being a female so with that comes with inbuilt breasts and <laughs> hips thankfully but i do have hip pads and a breastplate. A breastplate is a silicone latex, either like a bib or a crop top that have fake breasts on them. And I wear that and my hip pads to give that more exaggerated hourglass, like female womanly illusion shape. I don't wear them all the time, but it is so much fun. It's like what people do surgeries for and all that kind of stuff. And I can get it on and take it off and I don't have to commit to it full time. And that's what I love about it. Which is great. Which I found out the other day. I thought that my chest plate or my breastplate was a size E cup. Um, they're actually Fs. Oh, wow. So that's why they're heavy. Those tig old bitties. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there are also silicon chest plates and things like that for kings as well yes. or pe- anyone doing that sort of more masculine that chest drag yeah pecs and yeah. ab muscles and That's the definition right. that uh, some of them even have body hair like sewn into yeah. them so my partner nearly phallic has one of those and yeah it's got hair in it and nipples you name it very it's realistic. very realistic yes yeah there's a there's a deep dark part of aliexpress <laughs> And the Chinese <laughs> factories. Be careful if you decide to delve into. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, no. And then some people make their own chest pieces, like they'll or hip they'll, pads. Yeah, and hip pads. There are a few performers that I know who have made their own, like the chest plates for kings and things like that, where they've got like cosplay pad, foam padding. Yeah, like foam, and they'll sort of decide where they want that to be for like the abs on the on the torso, and so then they'll sort of sew and then define those areas more and cover those with fabric basically, and then yeah create that illusion that way like people are very resourceful it's pretty cool in any way it's just a hot sweaty mess yes yeah it is (laughs) and hence why i don't really wear it all but i guess that's the drag 101 from us here you can always reach out to us on our socials mine's at the timberlina i am at Foxy Foe. And I am at orlando.gloom.drag. We hope we've answered some questions that you've probably been wanting us to answer. Or given um, you a hell of a lot more. Yeah. But thanks for listening to us. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Access these stories and more from Newcastle Library's website or app. This has been a Newcastle Library's Real Production production.